Good morning, everybody. I've been away at the coast this last week. Um, to all the people who were praying for me to catch that giant shark, I'm sorry to report that there's something wrong with your prayer life. Because <laughs> I'm a flippin' good fisherman and I didn't catch squats, so... No, I'm kidding. It was, it was a wonderful time. It is so cool to be back home. Guys, I don't know what your space is a little bit like this morning. Maybe you're visiting with us. I don't know. Everyone, everyone's in sort of a different space. But I really am... Uh, when you preach, you have a whole bunch of different feelings and emotions about what God's going to do with different messages. But today... I feel like God wants to put uh, some specific tools into our hands. So if you're not usually a note taker, I'm not asking you to, t- please feel free to take out your phones. Um, I don't mind if they ring, whatever, I'm not one of those guys. I feel like God wants to put some tools in our hands today. And I'm, t- and I'm careful how I say that because now if I preach a lemon, you're going to be like, why the hell did I take my phone out? You know? But I really feel like there's something quite specific I'd like to challenge us on, speak to us about today and uh, give us tools going forward as we walk into the rest of the year. So we are preaching a series at the moment called One More Light, and the preaching team is kind of sharing their testimony for the first little bit of the sermon, and then sharing from the book of John in the second part of the sermon. So if you can turn with me to John chapter 6, where Vo just um, spoke from, that would be awesome. So I'd like to share a little bit, I shared my, some of my testimony a couple of weeks ago. I'd like to share another little part as I kind of launched this morning's sermon. I grew up in a Christian household. My dad was a pastor and a, a lay preacher, you know, so he was an engineer, but he also was a pastor in a church. The first three churches we were part of growing up. The first church, the pastor ran off with the secretary. The second church, the pastor ran off with money. And the third church didn't have um, a secretary or any money, so he ran off with a sound system, okay? <laughs> that was the church, that's, that was my growing up in the church. And so the fact that I am standing here leading a team that leads a church is like a miracle. Like, I'm, I mean, just the fact that I'm standing here is a miracle, right? I would have rather been a mercenary in Afghanistan than a pastor. Like no, 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 two, no, ways, no two ways about it. But I remember when I came back to faith, and I spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, when I came back to faith, and God was like, John, that's enough, stop your running, drugging, living on the street, all that kind of stuff. I came into the church, and I had all this baggage about what the church had been that I'd seen. And it was so hard to see anything objectively in front of me, because I was looking at everything through the money, the secretary, and the sound system. You know what I mean? Like, it... it you, you just notice stuff. And even if it's not there, you like make it up because you like, you know, you see spooks under every bush. It's just, you're terrified. And so I, I, I kind of, when I first walked in, I was like, okay, the only way I'm going to stay fresh and I can grow in the church is if I just, if I bin all my cynicism and I just go, everything is God and the church is perfect and everything's going to be awesome. And that's also not a great approach. Because as I came into the church, I looked up to the people who were leading the church. And they were great guys, amazing guys. It's wonderful to have heroes in the faith, people you can look up to. But it created this massive schism between me and them. And I kind of settled on the fact that there are kind of two ranks of Christians. There's the, you know, the, like, you know, the heavy Christians, the guys who do big things for God. They seem to, um, when they get saved, God implants a Bible in their brain. <laughs> 
It's the guy when you're standing around at a brine, you go, isn't there a scripture that says the Lord helps those that help themselves? And then he just like mows you down. No, that's not in the Bible. And he just knows and he quotes. In fact, if you read in the book of Haggai and books you've never heard of, he, and he quotes these scriptures and you're just like, let's talk about the rugby, you know, because it's like safer. At least I know who's in the team. And so I'm trying to grow and I want to be part of the church and I want to be effective for God. I don't want to waste time. But there just seems to be this gap in maturity, if you like, or this gap in knowledge. And so for the first while, I, just, I thought, well, you know, just be like them. So when I came to faith, I had hair down here. Okay, I wore sarongs and, um, well, sarongs. And then I'd wear like a poncho thing. This is how Cindy met me. That's how I know she really loves me, because it wasn't the looks. I mean, she couldn't see anything. I had this long beard and like just this hairy creature walking around. The first time I ever led worship at church, they told me I had to wear shoes, and I hadn't worn shoes in years. So I took a pair of bed socks that my grand had knitted for me and stitched some leather soles onto the bottom so that my beds, because they were wool, right? I didn't want them to wear through, so I stitched leather bottoms on the bottom of my bed socks. Shoes, you know? Anyway, so that's what I kind of looked like when I'd come into the church. And I felt out. And I wanted to grow. So I cut my hair. And I got um, nice button-up shirts and sort of chinos. And if you're that guy, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just saying, that was back then. I mean, look at me now, whatever. But nice, and then nice, smart shoes. thought, now I'm a mature Christian check me. It's, it's almost like, as I put the shoes on, I'm like, oh, I know the Bible. You know, like in the Matrix, when Neo gets downloaded Kung Fu in the back of his head, I know Kung Fu. As I put the shoes of faith or whatever, you know, put these shoes on, I'll just know everything. And I didn't. So I'd walk around feeling like a complete imposter, but I want to grow. And I want to become more like Jesus, but I, I feel more and more plastic and more and more weird as the journey kind of went on. Eventually I came to this place where, and it took time, where I realized that the things that I was running from, and I'm going to talk about this this morning, the things that I was running from, the things that I considered to be the thorns in my life, the things that I considered to be the opposition to my life and to my world, were the opportunities that God was presenting to me. The, the stuff I was trying to run away from were the opportunities God was presenting to me to be able to ma mature, that I could be mature like the other guys I was looking up to, but still be myself. And I want to talk a little now, you'd be like, what are you talking about? I'll, I'll explain. But friends, there is no easy journey towards maturity. You cannot fake maturity in the church as a Christian. It's like you can't, you can't just say, you can't pretend to be 65 years old if you're not. There isn't like a, this is what 65-year-olds do say, look like. The only way you can become a 65-year-old is to live on this planet for 65 years. There is no shortcut to maturity. And what I'm seeing more and more, and it, and it is concerning for me, friends, when I look across the world generally, and I'm talking specifically in the church, because outside the church, 
people don't have Jesus, they don't have the, the Holy Spirit, and it's, it's, a, it's, a wild, it's a wild world for all of us, but it's a really wild world out there without Jesus, of course. But I'm seeing this inability to, I'm seeing people who are 55 years old, but at the same time, perhaps they are 15 matures old. There's no maturity, no emotional maturity, no growing and developing. So people are stuck, and there's a whole bunch of reasons why that's important, because if I don't mature and I don't grow as a Christian, right, I, I, will never, I will never be able to walk into that full measure of the gift that God has put in front of me. And the church becomes hamstring, the church becomes immature, the church gets stuck, because we are the church. There's a guy called Phil Kigi, for anyone who ever listened to Christian music from like 20 years ago. Um, and Phil Kigi wrote the song called Jesus Loves the Church. And the chorus goes, we crucify each other, leaving a battered, wounded bride. But Jesus loves the church. As we walk the aisle of history towards the marriage feast, Jesus loves the church. And friends, I, I, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm getting a bit, so, it's a bit sobering, but there, there has to come a point where we grow up. And we stop getting our noses out of joint with one another. And I'm not saying this in response to anything that's happening in the church. I'm, guys, what I'm saying is it's got to start somewhere. The church has to stand up and we've got to be like, I'm going to love this world. And God's given me brothers and sisters, one another, like this, in a space like this, to be able to grow and to be able to develop a little bit of a thick skin, that I become tough, not hard. And I'm able to grow and mature. Because along my journey, in, when I, I'm standing there in my chinos and my plaid shirt and my cut hair, and now I'm a mature Christian. The first time I was in a meeting... And I felt God speak to me about something that God was doing in the meeting. You know, like when I grabbed the mic and hopped up. To, so I felt God saying something to me. So I was like, oh, God is wanting to speak in this meeting. I was just so excited, pumped out of my bracket. Down to the front. Like, I don't know about all you people in the room now, but God is about to do something incredible. That's how I was feeling. Like, I'm going to just bring heaven now. Angels are going to sing. It's going to be the second coming of Jesus. Anyway. I get to the front and the pastor's standing there and I go to him and I say, um, I feel like God's wanting to say something. God wants to do something. So he goes, what? So I hadn't thought it through, what I was going to say. So I, I start rambling, trying to tell him and he goes, spit it out. And I'm like, oh, and I tried a bit longer and he was like, just go sit down. And I took my little plaid shirt and my chinos and my Holy Spirit shoes and I just went back to my seat. I was squished. It took me like a year to ever get up the courage again. And it wasn't that guy. Like, who's got the mic in the meeting? No, that oak. Freaking that oak needs to meet Jesus. That's his problem. But friends, this oversensitivity and getting our noses out of joint by just... I mean, this guy's trying to lead a meeting. There's like 2,000 people in the room... Like, there's realities, I realize now, but to grow and mature. And so I'd like to talk a little bit about that this morning, this journey towards growth and maturity. Second Peter 1 says, from verse 3, says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And then... Paul goes on to talk there, I mean, Peter goes on to talk about 
the different things that God adds to us, these goodness and, and kindness and, and knowledge and self-control and all those kind of things. And so this scripture promises us that God has already given us everything we need for life and godliness to accomplish what God has put in our hands for our lives. The question is how? Because I promise you, I find myself on a, not daily basis, but at least a few times a week where I'm facing a situation and I don't have a clue. Genuine, no clue, no idea how we get through this one, no idea. But this scripture teaches that God has given us already everything we need for life and godliness. Can you pass me the packet, babe? Thanks. And so, I didn't realize along this journey, as I was growing or as I was maturing, is that what God wants to do for me as I mature, so just go with me, I've got like a practical example today here of everything. What God wants to do with us as Christians as we grow is He wants to develop something, and I'm going to call it a utility belt. It's not in the Bible, those words, exactly, but this is like a really physical kind of demonstration. So what happens is when you get saved, get your utility belt. <laughs> we can, woo, careful world. But then what God wants to do is as we grow and as we mature, He wants to start adding things to our utility belt. This is all my fishing stuff to grab it. It's all clean, hopefully. Well, this, oh, it's a chocker hammer. Use it to beat up squid. Um, <laughs> poor defenseless little squids. This is my knife because it's, it's a dangerous world out there. These are my pliers in case I need to fix my sprocket camshaft on my car. So, how's it look okay? <laughs> no chalkies. Don't post this anywhere. So I want you guys, we're making a, we're going to have a good look. I want you guys to have this stuck in your head as I talk this morning. So how are these tools given to us to be able to cope? I want to use this word utility this morning. Friends, it's so easy for us to think that I have limited utility in my life or limited ability to be able to accomplish whatever's in front of me. And I'm going to talk about a few things around this, but the first thing is, how is this utility given to us? How are these things added to us? The second Peter 1 through these great and precious promises, how are they given to us? Well, if you read in Romans 10, 17, Paul writes, he says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. And it's interesting when you read this text because it doesn't say, right, that faith comes by hearing and then now that you've got faith, all of a sudden you have the gift. In fact, if you go read the book of James, James writes, he says, um, you tell me that you've got faith. He says, I will show you my faith by my deeds. And what I've come to see is this. So God comes to me and he challenges me about something. So he'll talk to me about forgiveness. So let's have a look at this one. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So God's challenging me about forgiveness. Great. Now I've got faith about forgiveness. Do you know what's going to happen right after that? God is going to present an opportunity to us for us to be able to exercise forgiveness in somebody else's life. Because action has to follow faith. But I don't recognize it. 
All I see is that idiot in front of me in the traffic who came across three lanes at the top of William Nickel, right? He didn't do what all the proper people do and go in the queue. He drove up the side and then cut in at the top and cut me off. That's all I see. I don't see an opportunity for forgiveness. I don't see an opportunity to, for faith, right, to be followed by an action. And God is so gracious to us that he comes to us and so he'll challenge us on this issue. But then he's like, okay, now it's time for you to work this issue out. Because it's almost like, where's my knife here? When God gives you the faith thing up front, he gives you this. Now I've got faith. But there's no knife in that sheath yet. The knife or the tool comes as we action that faith out, as we work that thing out in our lives. As I choose to forgive that person. And friends, you know what? I'm talking at the church, pointing with a knife. <laughs> Listen to me. <laughs> yes, you could get that so wrong on social media. And our pastor threatened us with a knife on Sunday. <laughs> it's going to bring like a panga anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, the, and God is so kind to us, friends, because what happens is he'll give us an opportunity to forgive the guy in the traffic. Then he'll give us an opportunity to forgive our spouse on a little thing or our kids or whatever. Because, guys, there is a time coming in all of our lives where I need to have this thing packed and ready. I need to have forgiveness on tap. I need to have forgiveness as a discipline in my life. I need to know exactly how it comes out, and I need to know exactly how to use it, because if I don't, it'll derail my faith and my mission in God. And what we don't realize, I could hurt myself, <laughs> what we don't realize is the stakes are so high in the little things. You know the faithful with the little, you'll accomplish much? What God is wanting to do all the time, friends, is add utility to our lives. Because I have, what is the utility when, I ha when someone has a go at me? I have the utility, I can get angry with them, I can punch them in the face. That is definitely an option. But what happens is as I mature, remember me, the long-haired guy who feels like an imposter, as I begin to grow and mature, the thing that would challenge me about the mature Christians I'd look at is people would have a go at them and they didn't just react and they didn't make it all about themselves and they didn't get all inward looking and I feel like this about me and this is what happened to me when I was growing up and this is, that wasn't their go-to. They could take a hit and they would continue loving. That's what Jesus was like. It's like insane. How, how on earth did that happen? Faith came, and then the thing was worked out over time. And friends, forgiveness is an incredible utility that God wants to give to the church because it's what he extended to us first. The fact that Jesus came when we had nothing, and we crucified him, yet he offers us forgiveness. God had all these options in front of him, all these things that he could have pulled out, the heavenly bazookas and the lightning bolts from heaven. He chose not to. He chose to extend grace and love through his son Jesus to us. And he wants to add the same thing to our utility belt. There's a ridiculous quote that I keep seeing on social media. I probably mentioned it before. But I see it so often. God will never test you beyond what you can bear. Scripture teaches the complete opposite. Scripture says you will never be tempted beyond what you can withstand, and God will give you a way out. Temptation. But tested, the Scripture promises you will be tested beyond what you can bear all the time because that's the only way you're going to grow. 
And we can't afford, like, this thing is never, nothing's going to develop here if we just stay in the same place. It's uncomfortable. This can't be God. It's uncomfortable. It's probably God. As we mature, what are opportunities to develop kindness? God gives us these wonderful opportunities. We come, we were in a place called Moy River growing up a few years ago and led a church there with um, Lance and Kerry. And there was a lady in the parking lot at Spa and she would sell oranges. The oranges lady. But what she would do is she'd come to you and she'd be like, would you like some oranges? So then you'd give her money for the oranges. She'd take the money and just walk off. She didn't give you, an, she didn't give you the oranges. I don't know how many people she sold those oranges to. Like you could buy the same oranges like seven or eight times in a week from her. And she would just feign like complete ignorance when you gave her the money and she'd walk off. And I was like, oh, the oranges lady. She's like, and eventually she becomes a little bit of a meme. <laughs> but when people, have, when people do stuff, when people do a sin, we have an opportunity to extend kindness and gentleness and goodness and self-control. Friends, it's not the world attacking us. It's not the devil trying to take you out at the knees. It's God going, okay, faith, now let's follow that with some action. I want to pack some utility on your belt. Don't use the hammer on the lady. Use the hammer on your own hard heart. That's what I gave you the hammer for. But for her, maybe it's like some tissues or whatever else God chooses to pack onto our utility belt. Opportunities to learn wisdom. Guys, if there is an ongoing repetitive pattern in, in our lives, in any of our lives, over and over again, something's missing from the utility belt, and it's not okay. It can be a pattern of thinking. It can be a pattern of action. Jesus come that we might have life and life to the full, to be free, to be able to live out with him everything that he's called us to live out. Taking time to listen. In our marriage, I, I make the same mistake so often, and I'm getting there now after like, 20 odd years. How long have you been married, bro? 18 years. Yeah, 18 years. 20. This year. 20 years this year. Is it? That's in June, eh? <laughs> Got time to plan something special. 20 years. But instead of looking when Cindy talks to just give advice, just to listen. Because sometimes she just wants me to listen. Add another thing. Because so often... There is time for a megaphone on our utility belt to talk. There's also times, like Chalky said, silence, silent and listen. Just pack the megaphone away and take your hearing aid off your belt and put it in. Just listen. Second thing around it, so how are these tools developed and given? And guys, I, I mean it. If Just think about what, you're, what you have experienced over the last week. How many opportunities God has given to us to mature and to grow? And how much we recognize those opportunities to mature and grow and how much we looked at and we were like, The world's against me! <laughs> Second thing around that is, the enemy will do anything he can to oppose the developments of the utilities that God wants to give to us. James chapter 3.16 says, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Guys, comparison. Looking over the fence at what other people have got on their utility belt. The enemy comes to us and lies to us. It's like Cass led worship for the first time this morning. And it was beautiful, Cass. It was epic. 
Imagine if Cass looked and said, oh, there's Cindy and there's Lisa, Lebs and Dim and Gareth and all these, there's all these other worship leaders. Like, I can't do that. It's so full. There's so many people already in that space. I won't. So she takes the utility, one of the things that God's given her to change the world and to accomplish the growth of the kingdom and, and seeing others change. She just throws it by the wayside. And friends, what the enemy wants to do is one by one, he looks to strip us of these utilities. Until eventually, until eventually there's nothing left. We stand like this. And so when we face a situation in our world, we just crumple because I feel powerless. I feel like I have nothing. And God has promised us we have all we need for life and godliness. You have forgiveness. Like, if I had more money, if I had more influence, if I was better looking, if I was more confident, if I was an extrovert, if, if whatever. Sure, those are all utility, friends. Those are all things that can be added to our belt, for sure. But that's not all there is to the belt. Do you know what it's like walking, leaving a city or a little town like Moirava to come and plant a city, plant a church in a city like Joburg? Having been in full-time ministry for 18 years, not ever having run your own business, like this is the thing. And I'm sitting with people in this church who are infinitely more qualified than me on many fronts, who know more than me about a lot of stuff. Guys, if I had to buy into I have to know more, be more than everybody here, we're going nowhere. But you know what I do have in my belt? Fishing stuff accomplished nothing this last week. <laughs> Honestly, it's the world's saddest knife. Anyway, I've got love. I've got the Bible, teach the truth. Right? Little bit by little bit. Little things that God is, and, and little things, not so little things. I've got honesty, I've got integrity. And what and I can't sit and go, if I don't have all these other things, if I'm not the most qualified or whatever, I can't, I can't teach or I can't preach or I can't lead. God has called me. God has anointed me. With what I have in my hand, I will accomplish what God has for me. Friends, it, it is, it's time for the church to wake up. Honestly, I mean that. And I, as gently and, and carefully as I can, but for each of us to stand up and go, I don't have everything on my belt. But with what I do have, Peter and John go up to the temple. Guys like, can't, you know, can't walk. He's a crippled guy. And he asks for money. And they go, we don't have silver and gold. But what we do have, we'll give to you in the name of Jesus. Walk. They had a utility on their belt that the rest of the world didn't have. They had ability that the rest of the world didn't have. And so that's where I want to land today with our text from John chapter 6. This is the necessity of adopting a full belt of utility. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. 
but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who'd eaten. Feeds 5,000 people. Five loaves and two fish. Now, there is time on our utility belt to be wise, definitely, and to be clever. Cindy and I were talking about it yesterday. What would, what would we have done? Well, if you go to KFC, you can get a streetwise two. So how many people out of the 5,000? Okay, guys, how many of the 5,000? How many guys can afford a streetwise two? Yes, okay. All the people who can, can you sit this side? All the people who can't, that side. And then I want the people who can. This is brilliant, right? It's church leadership. Go and find a person who can't afford it, and you sit with him, and you're going to share your Streetwise 2 with him. So you're going to have a Streetwise 1, and he's going to have a Streetwise 1. You're going to have a half, a half. And we sit down, we're going to organize the whole thing. And that way, we're going to feed everybody. And guys, there is 100% time for wisdom and for working things out and those sort of things. 100%. But friends, we're Christians. We are the children of God, like we were saying during worship today. What do you have on your belt? Because Jesus had the ability to take five loaves and two fish and feed 5,000 people. Like that's what makes it so different for us. And if we don't allow God to develop this utility belt, what happens is all of our decisions, friends, are on us. All of our problem solving is on us. When it comes to business, when it comes to parenting, when it comes to relationships, all those things, it's down to me to make the right decision in every situation as best that I can. I'm carrying the load. But Jesus comes and he puts this utility belt on us. The supernatural utility belt. It's so crazy because right after this, the disciples head off. Jesus is like, hey, the disciples look tired because I've done the miracle. And the disciples head off across the lake in the boat. And Jesus is standing there. He's a bit tired because he did do the miracle. So he's like, well, I want to go join them on the boat. But yes, it's a bit of a schlep to walk all the way around. So I did create water. So why don't I just take a walk on the path? You know, the shortest point between two, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line so I'll just walk on the water to the boat Jesus wasn't trying to do some fun funky special trick he wasn't trying to be fancy it's just I'm gonna go join the guys on the boat and I wanted to go all the way around and wait for them on that like just because he had stuff on his belt that the world didn't know about and friends can you imagine what a church looks like when we settle the fact that there are things on our belt that the world knows nothing about. There is ability and there is anointing and there is power and there's the presence of God. But the only way these things develop, like I said in the beginning, is when we allow God faith and then we endure the trials, we endure the temptation, we endure the whatever, the situations that come up against us. And we don't always run to what we know. God, what are you doing in this situation? God, what are you saying in this situation? God, show me. And God supernaturally provides, or God supernaturally opens eyes, or God supernaturally heals. Supernatural wisdom. It's very, very difficult to live a life where I have my four things that I know, that I've been taught, that come from my upbringing and whatever, and that's all I keep going to. And God comes to us, He's like, there's so much more I have for you. So much bigger that I have for you as we walk this thing out. And so that's why we spend time in the Word. That's why we hear what God's Word has to say about situations. We read stories. We hear testimonies because it spurs us on and we go, Lord, that thing that happened for that person, I want that. 
faith. And God goes, you sure you want that? Yes, I want that. Okay, sweet. Here comes the testing of your faith to develop the thing on your belt. Lord, I'm ready. Add the things to me so I can live out this life that you've called me to. Supernatural utility to overcome supernatural issues. Ephesians 6 tells us that we don't struggle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Friends, there's stuff on this belt, if it's all carnal, that's not going to be any good in dealing with what's in front of us. Supernatural wisdom to overcome a broken and incredibly complex world. Luke 12 tells us. The Holy Spirit will show us what to say. Guys, if you look at what's going on in the world, there's so many complex questions and complex stuff going on. Everybody wants this really clean, easy answer. In those moments, you can't pull out something, can't pull out clever. Clever's not going to cut it. In that moment, God, show me what to say. Packed and ready to rock and roll. Can we pray? Move our heads. Thank you so much for joining us. You might be asking yourself the question, how can I take this further? Firstly, you can send us your contact details to cindy at centerchurch.co.za where we can include you in our online connect groups and you can receive our daily devotional. Secondly, you can hop on our website where you can access previous sermons and find out more about who we are at Center Church. Thirdly, if you consider yourself as part of Center Church, we want to thank you so much for your ongoing financial partnership. The banking details are on the website. Thank you so much for joining us and hope you have an amazing Sunday.